Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to Nationate, a podcast about eight seasons in a row. And this is Fernandes and I am Chris Jai Warden. Uh, hello. And we're about to view the episode Supermarket Sweep from season four of Laverne Shirley, directed by Joel Zwick and written by Ron Levitz. And we just got some facts about them, don't you, Chris? Indeed, I do. So, uh, Joel Zwick, we'll start on. This was his seventh episode for the series. Uh, once more, we're going to leave it to the audience at home to do the math on how many more episodes he has left for the show. We've uh, discussed the number of total, so still got a lot more to go. Uh, in terms of trivia, this poor guy, of course, did a couple of Joni Loves Chachi gigs in 1982. Uh, so, uh, oh, just, I don't know, say, say a quick, you know, just like, I'm so sorry, my condolences for the poor man. Uh, we'll be back for this guy uh, later with other, other notes and other trivia uh, later in the program. So, written by Ron Levitt. So this was his only episode for Laverne and Shirley, but after doing scripts on Gary Marshall or Lowell Gans' Mark Rothman shows, he wrote briefly for The Jeffersons and created sitcoms through the 1980s, including It's Your Move and Silver Spoons, culminating in his biggest success, Married with Children. Yeah! Yes, 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 yes. Co-created You co-created Married with Children. Uh, I can tell you an even bigger fact about Married with Children and Ron Levitt and what he did. Yo for it. They originally created the role of Al Bundy in the hope that Michael would take it. It was written for Michael McKean, the part of Al Bundy. Interesting. <laughs> huh. He turned it down. He turned down the role because he didn't think he could do it. He didn't think he could uh, do justice to it, according to him. And he said, now you watch Ed O'Neill in that part, and you can't imagine anybody else being Al Bundy. So he thinks he oh, totally. Like yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I suspect it only would have lasted a few years, maybe like three yeah. at most. But yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. I can't imagine that. For Michael, it probably just would have been too close to Lenny, so to speak. In a way, yeah. though, Lenny is much uh, sweeter and kinder than Al Bundy. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. No, the, the Bundy name made a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. so, so, but yeah, it was kind of cool. He get you know, so the show, get, so Laverne and Shirley gets, you know, touched on by this person who goes on to these bigger, better things. But that's, see, that's Gary Marshall. The guy yeah. had, a, had some weird way of attracting these up and coming talents who would go on to bigger things. But, um, but yeah, speaking to Ron Levitt, he did pass away, sadly, at the age of 60 in 2008. So I uh, just want to give a little salute to uh, to Levitt. He did a lot of shows that people, you know, have, have clearly have liked. And uh, he did a good job in this episode. So, you know, we'll we'll get to that. May he rest in peace. And here's what happens in that episode. While shopping at Slotnick's Market one afternoon, Laverne's whiny need for scooter pies results in Shirley leaving the line to grab the box and Laverne becoming Slotnick's millionth customer. Earning herself three minutes of free shopping after hours the subsequent Friday. Shirley is heartbroken that she missed out on victory, and the girls' family and friends become insistently greedy in their request for more food. To be fair, Laverne has decided to sell the surplus she grabs during the shopping spree, and thus the girls decide to splurge on a plaster lawn ornament version of Michelangelo's David, two months worth of food money gone. Together, they talk Slotnick into letting them do the shopping spree together and splitting their goods. Will greed and infighting get the better of the girls? What do you think of this episode? As much as I have a lot of fun with it, this is sitcom as hell. Yeah. And uh it it there there are times it kinda it's so sitcom it hurts. The parts that are really good are really, really good. The whole yeah. opening bit of them uh doing the shopping run, the crisp rice krispies or frosted flakes, my turn to choose. Yeah. 
And again, I say this is the season of Thirsty Shirley. I mean, because I mean, because think about this two seasons ago, there's no way she would have agreed to, you know, the whole thing of it's got it contains a fun in the tub submarine. It's got eight little sailors that pop up and help you wash. Who wants eight men helping, helping and watching you wash Then the pause and surely going, all right, get another one. Two, two seasons ago, even it's one season ago, never would have happened. So, you know, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. like those bits. And that's hilarious. It's adorable. It's cute. I like it. I wish they would commit is surely going to come out of the bubble or not. But yeah, um, yeah. but then um, the whole uh, statue thing is 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 great. You know, it's unexpectedly goofy. But when it comes to like the core plot and the message and the moral at the end, it's just. <sighs> yeah. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah. It, it's I like it, but it's frustrating. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. Uh, the biggest problem with this episode is that you can see the ending coming a mile away because everybody gets so greedy. Everybody gets so greedy. The girls get greedy in their expectation that they're going to get a bunch of this food and be able to carry it back over the line in time, and therefore they can blow all this money. They can charge your friends money for food when they're, you know, they're all, they're all equally poor. It's a lower middle class and they're charging them all this money for what they can grab. Uh, their friends and family all become horrible and greedy and nasty in a way and try to manipulate as much uh, produce and food and uh, goods and meat out of them as they possibly can. Everyone looks really bad in this episode. Not a single person comes out as as likable in a way. But the girls do become likable and sympathetic. You can absolutely see Levitt's darker, more cynical take. Oh yeah. On oh, on both the sitcom world at large and the girls in this episode, it feels very married with children in its way, without the uh, toilet humor. It really just feels like like an, uh, the cynicism there. Um, the, everybody's out for themselves, feeling of it. We do get the hug and makeup and the fluffy part of things, uh, at the end of the episode, but the majority of it is everybody being as horrible as they possibly can. So they're seeing dollar signs in their eyes. So, I was gonna say, the only person who comes off wall in this episode is probably Frank, because Frank doesn't appear in the episode. Eh, eh, eh. I was going to say Mr. Slopnik comes comes yeah. across okay because yeah. he yet however as the master of temptation does that not make him the devil in this situation <laughs> tempting mankind and uh, bringing forth their sins from deep within the bowels of their souls Well if Laverne Shirley is Gilligan's Island uh, perhaps it's true <laughs> Wait Gilligan's Island had a devil archetype Uh no, there is that old urban legend that everybody is in hell. Gilligan's Island is hell. And each of the castaways is supposed to be, supposed to represent a deadly sin. Oh, okay. No, that actually yeah. makes, wow, that's that's surprisingly fitting. No wonder that's an old theory, that theory's yeah. been going on. Okay. Sherwood, yeah, Schwartz, makes... Sherwood Schwartz insisted, nope, that's not true, but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah sure sure d- d- yeah but d- methinks he d- protesteth too much um but speaking of mr slopnik so um you, we we had a little like moment of like huh the guy looks familiar why is that so that was byron webster who played a uh, warren in lonely in the middle 
which was a season two episode, I believe. Yep, yeah, yeah, exactly. Precisely. Perfectly precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we open up. The girl shopping is probably the best. There are two good scenes, two worthwhile scenes, and one really good plot thread in this episode. Uh, the first scene is that with them all shopping together. The two of them shopping together trying to grab their groceries at the supermarket. That's well handled. And that's funny, and it shows their personality conflicts, as you said before. Uh, I like the scene where they're actually doing the supermarket sweep. And they try to grab all the food, and then they, you know, screw up magnificently and grandly. I was going to say that the uh, the supermarket sweep is very early to mid-1990s um, yeah. uh, Nickelodeon game show. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. And then... The very thought line of them having Dave and having this dumb statue in the apartment and, uh, you know, putting shorts on the statue. All that's magnificent. It's funny and ridiculous and silly in the best of ways. And, you know, I absolutely love it. So I especially love uh, Edna's addition to the conversation. Yeah. Edna saying it looked just like her ski instructor. And being so into it, uh, looking exactly like her ski instructor, and having so many wonderful, semi-filthy memories of said ski instructor. All that's wonderful. Uh, it's perfect. It's good stuff. I love her. I love her. I love everything about Edna. Yeah. I love uh, little quiet domestic moments at the beginning, them uh, going out for the baby food and just ogling at it and saying oh maybe someday mm-hmm. and the frosted flakes or rice krispies debate which makes me ask frosted flakes or rice krispies what do you think oh man um as a just one and done cereal frosted flakes but i love how rice krispies are super versatile for other purposes i'm a rice krispies person i'm a rice krispies person i admit that much i hear okay let me also put it this way being a gluten-free person, finding yeah. gluten-free flake-type cereals is next to absolutely impossible. Rice Krispies yeah. are fine. I mean, I think they make yeah. them officially gluten-free because they realized, oh, yeah, well, we just got to do is put in the little money for the extra the extra certification and we can get more sales. So Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's how they managed to score some sales and get people to freaking buy more cereal. And, hey, as long as it makes you happy, as long as it's good for you, that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. this is healthy and you can eat it and digest it. It's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And my yeah. body doesn't decide to cry bloody murder and I feel sick and have an asthma attack or something. Yeah, anything like that. All those things. Kind of uh, weird when the thought that f- food that affects people normally can kill others. What right a thought. God, allergies. Uh-huh. Allergies are amazing. Just think about that. Peanuts are like that. Mm-hmm. All kinds of different things are like that. Um... I loved, uh, I love how Laverne's, once again, her kid palette comes out again with scooter pies and uh, all of her desire for scooter pies. And then that one little decision ensures that she's the millionth customer and not Shirley. That Shirley's just so furious and so sad and so miserably sad. Yeah, that part kind of bummed me out a little bit because yeah. that, that level of jealousy kind of always bugs me a little bit. You know, yeah. when it comes to, uh, it, it, I don't know. It just, it, it, I, I don't like the jealousy side with the two of them, especially with Shirley. It just, it feels very unbecoming, you know, 
and it, it just feels like a typical sitcom TV thing. Like I said, like there yeah. there are it's actually yeah, that is part of my feeling that this is a very sitcom episode. <laughs> exactly, absolutely. It's very sitcommy and very simplistic, and this one of those episodes people think of when they think of the show, uh, for better or for worse. So, right. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. Ultimately, it's one of those things where you're going to uh, be very, very happy or very, very sad when you watch this episode because it's so m- miserable in a way watching Shirley being this depressed about it. And then, you know, they finally get the okay and they're all really happy. And then, oops, you know, it turns out they can't work together under pressure like that. And it, that kind of echoes what happened in the game show episode. Exactly. They, which they which not. is then the problem is that it's like yet another one of those. And it's like, yeah. okay, we, we get it. Yeah. Teamwork is not their, their forte. Maybe grow them a little bit. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm cranky. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, honestly, they could have, you know, said, oh, they learned a little bit from this. Maybe they can actually grow a lot from it. But they have not. They have not learned anything, and that's for the, I guess, existence, if not betterment. I, I won't not call it betterment of the comedy. Uh, the utter weirdness of the security guard calling Shirley, you little yum-yum. <laughs> that, where that um, came from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that whole moment at the end is very weird. It's very weirdly Laverne and Shirley, but it's also just kind of goofy. Like Laverne yeah. posing, which is which is yeah. awesome and kind of hot, but yeah. it's also like, yeah. whoa, what the hell, you know? Yeah, she just pops her buttons and goes, hey. Yeah. Well, she basically uh, hauled her hooters out when uh, for the delicatation of that reporter. So, oh yeah, <laughs> kinda makes, absolutely. It kind of makes sense for her. It kind of really makes sense for her. So in the end, that works. In the end, that's a uh, character trait that makes sense. Yeah. Oh gracious. And then, of course, Carmine tries to help Shirley. Her screaming just goes right yeah. through him I, like a butter b- knife. Befo- and they hot butter before, before the noise makes Carmine into Carmine, um, I did think it was very, very cute that he pats her head while she pats Boo Boo Kitty in the same yeah. way. And it's like practically in sync. That was very cute yeah. and very adorable. And it's, it's, Carmine, grow up. She makes the noise and you deal. You yep. deal. She is distraught, man. You take care of yep. your girlfriend. Your girl, your best girl. You do you don't do that. Yep. Uh. Yep. And um he even tries to mind Boo Boo Kitty. He does baby voice. She's inconsolable. It does not help. No. And I I did think that was pretty hilarious though. I yep. wonder how long Eddie had been waiting to get a chance to do that. Sure. <laughs> he does it, yeah. And then she tells him to grow up. Of all things, she makes that sound, the voice. She does those sounds. So. Yep, yep, yep. Well, it's also uh, I guess I I wonder if it's also like to her, it's like you know, girls do that all the time. Boys grow out of it, which yeah, seems like a very exactly. surely belief to have, thanks to Lily yeah. Feeney. Um, exactly. And right. uh, I his hands on her butt. I mean, I get it. It's a, it's a great hiney. I mean, it's not much of one, but uh, come on, Car- Carmine. Jeez, read read the room, man. To be fair, they are boyfriend and girlfriend, so I guess the butt grabbing makes sense, but not when she's distraught. Not I when she's like, distraught. Have a little, have a little, just an ounce of. I mean, you would have figured this guy has 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 had so many 
so much bedroom time with yeah, so absolutely. many women of a of a mature age that you would figure this guy would have learned a thing or two, you know? Exactly. exactly. I absolutely love uh, the fact that the boys' entrance line this time is hilarious. This is my my favorite yeah entrance line. Uh, you gotta uh, sell them our garbage or other smelly leftovers. Hello. it's good it's very good and it gets rick carmine wants toilet paper and steak because of course he does and some band oh and some band-aids after the door slams on him yep it's a band-aid yep and the boys are are in a way the least greedy person involved in this because all they want is bosco enough as much bosco as the girls could carry but bosco Mm -hmm. that's just one item and they continuously forget it too when they're in the middle of sleep so uh, yeah, at least, you know, even though they're kind of driving a wedge between the girls and kind of causing the fight by saying Shirley's a sap and Laverne did it on purpose. Uh, and, uh, yep. yeah, they mock her and call her dumb and why don't you run upstairs and see if I'm there? All that crap. <laughs> God, yeah. It's, yeah, as, as you're pointing out, it's like, it's, it's weird. It's like, it's some of these jokes in, one form or another. And I guess that's also the catch for other characters in a different form. Some of these jokes would be fantastic. You know, these lines, these bits, these, but yeah, as it is, it just, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, like, cause there's some parts of this episode that writing wise, it's weird that I gave Ron such a compliment, you know, but the before, now that I'm like going through the episode again, it's like, huh? I don't yeah. know if I like this one very much. Yeah. 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 Uh, like I said, it has Levitt's tendency to make, unpleasantness of the human condition right and it doesn't really work out uh i did like shirley's line you arranged two morons to call me the arranged for two morons to call me an idiot it's mm-hmm. perfect that's yeah of course you would think that to say that uh i did like though that sisterhood does again once again triumph mm-hmm. and in celebration and cementing of their sisterhood they go buy a naked statue together yes <laughs> Yeah, it's worth a, worth every every penny. My God, they are they're so it's <laughs> so horny in this episode. So horny for that. It's just uh, classic statuary girls. Geez, you can go see the full Megillah. You really want to look at an art museum. You can see everything. Uh, I like him because he's bare naked. Laverne's <laughs> actual line, butimus, utterly butimus. I uh, love um, the pointless bickering in a way. Oh yeah, the, uh, the whole slap fight. The, yeah, the fight, yeah, fight, yeah, fight, yeah, fight, yeah, fight. yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they're absolutely convinced that they're going to get to keep the statue, and make money off of the situation, and fulfill all their family's requests and needs. Only, you know, they puff themselves up so much that you know the fall is coming, and so the fall comes. Yep. Spectacularly, they're. Very good and very athletic. And trying their darndest, uh, this is some of the best slapstick in the show as they try desperately to stuff that cart. And then it's way too heavy for either of them to move. And then they're too heavy for either of them to manage to walk across the room. And all I get is a box of fish sticks and a box of scooter pies. Look, 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 look. It's, it's karmatic. It's oh Henry-ish. It's something. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Uh, quick question regarding that scene. I mean, uh, you know, I 
to comment on the astrophysical comedy. Very good. I love the track suits, the colors. You know, it's very, yeah. even though it is super duper 70s. Yes, very much. Like, like, listen, listen, we've, we've seen those, those, uh, industrial films about bread salesmen where they go into actual supermarkets or supermarket sets of the 1950s or early 1960s. We yeah. know this is not what a 1961-62 era supermarket would look like exactly. or what their clothes would look like. Um, however, it is it is still quite funny and quite amusing. And you pointed out the marching band version of the theme yeah. um, is, is wonderful. Um, but the thing I wanted to comment on, bring that basket home. Betty almost said something else, didn't she? Yes, 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 yes. She kind of quasi cuts herself off there smartly because she cannot say that word in the middle of a prime time lineup in the 1970s. So she quickly yeah, cuts. This is back when George Carlin's uh, the words, the, the seven words he can't say on television were still actually fact. accurate. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Precisely. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, I loved Squiggy's line, um, make it four and you get a customer for life. <laughs> and then he, uh, then when we, oh, that's right. Frank does uh, request cheese. Uh, the girls, we never see him in this episode. And then Squiggy goes, let Frank get his own cheese. Grow his own cheese. Yeah. Grow, grow his own cheese. Those are both good lines. Uh, we got another example of Life Guy Lenny in this episode. He's sitting there rooting for Laverne. You can hear him yelling for her to grab that, get this, get that. You can hear him, get that. And it's always Laverne. It's never, it's never Cheryl. It's, it's always Laverne out of his mouth. And it's great. It's interesting. It yeah. is interesting. He almost never says, come on, Cheryl, get him Cheryl. It's always Laverne. Hmm. Oh, God. And um, the point of squabbling, you know, ruining everything. Yep. Boys don't get their Bosco bean dip. Yep. The, the, one of the best things about this scene, this, this particular scene, is the Marching Man version of the theme song, which is really great and really rousing. And I think they use it again uh, sometime in season five, but I can't be 100% sure. And thus, the girls are hoisting the petard of their own greed. And it sucks. <laughs> yep. And yep. it's stereotypical yep. and it's predictable. You pretty much predicted. By about six minutes into the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It does pay off with the, or at the very least leads into the great physical comedy door thing when they come home. I mean, the timing is amazing and you can hear Eddie giggling again. Yeah. But it's so mad. Slam, slam, yep. move, slam, jacket, yep. coat. I mean, God. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's amazing. But it's, yeah, it's like, and they, I don't know. It just doesn't feel it doesn't even resolve. They fail. They kind of talk it out a bit. They, um, you know, if you ain't got teamwork, you ain't got diddly words to live by. But it's like, OK, and do you got some more for us? Yeah. I like their attempted reconciliation. The fact that they finally managed to sell Dave to Edna. Of course, Edna is uh, Edna manages to. um actually by the by the statue laverne breaks him off camera in this episode i believe in the syndication cut uh she tried to peek underneath his fig leaf and it came off i think it's either that is either that or his neck his head came off 
I can't remember which one it is. Uh, but I saw it a long time ago in a syndication cut, and I haven't seen it since, and it's not in this DVD version, so it makes no, little to no sense. So. Yeah. Just, it is, it is what it is, you know, and it's a, it's like, okay, you know, it's a, it's a rich person or a, uh, not rich person, sorry. It's a poor people trying to get rich type episode crossed with a greed ruins a good golden opportunity yeah. mixed with friendship, jealousy arc. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's what happens. And it's, eh, it's eh. In a word, it is eh. I think it is time for us to eh over to the ranking area. Let us rank it. I five. Yeah, it's about a five and a half for me too. Do we want to? Do we want to embellish that? It's like, eh. Uh, I can embellish I, a little. I can embellish. I, the one thing else, uh, one thing I could say, um, I feel like I could take this episode and do it better. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. I know that seems incredibly egotistical, incredibly hubris. Um, first of all, bite me. Secondly, um, I believe I can because of the fact that one of the things that happens when you have an old, something that's completed, is, and this is a thing about these types of episodes that feels very stereotypical. Exactly. When something's just a framework, it's a series of cliches, someone who is free of those cliches can come in and punch something up and improve them. Yeah. I feel like that was a step that would have made this better. As it is, it's a stereotypical episode of the time yeah and so therefore it works for the time it has not aged well no it hasn't and that's that's all. that's my that's my final word it has aged incredibly poorly my problem with this episode is very simple uh it's way 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 too mean uh it's way 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 too uh cruel uh, everybody is flattened out and flanderized, and everybody is uh, just one-dimensional, even for the show. Uh, I hate it when it gets to the point where it's all about you know trying to pump as much money out of the thing. They're trying to get as much money out of the thing, and as much groceries as they can, in this case, out of the thing. And... While this is ambitious and it's smart of them and they really do need this to keep living their lives because they these are people who are just above the poverty line at this point in canon. And yet I look at them and I look at what they're doing in this episode and like I said, there is not a single likable character in the episode except for the guy running the supermarket just trying to get this promotional gimmick on the rails. Everybody's unlikable in this one. Uh, the girls are unlikable in this one. It's just a mess. It's a mess in a lot of ways, but it's not horrendously offensive. So I, that's why it doesn't get lower than a five. It's just, it's just watch the supermarket sweep scene and you will have seen everything you need to see of this episode. That's my opinion. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wow. That's a sour note. It's kind of a uh, kind of interesting. It's uh, but um, anyway, I think that about uh, yeah, I guess that about covers it for today. Yeah. Is there any? Is there any? Any? I'm I'm trying to look to see if I have any more comedic notes that I can note that just I don't know. Try to uplift the. Well, I do have a big emphatic jealous Shirley no with a little sad face on it. That was oh. one of my notes here. 
Um, but yeah, anything yeah. anything else? I don't have anything to say either. I don't have anything to put up or put out. Oh there. wait, I just remembered something super important. Um, Bosco. 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 All right. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us for Night After Night Pod. And if you would like to know more, please join us at Night After Night PC on Twitter or Night After Night Pod on Facebook, Tumblr, WordPress, or uh, Patreon. And if you uh, would like to, uh, you know, give us a follow, give us a like, a comment, a subscribe, any sort of thing like that, we'd be super appreciated. We'll love you bunches for it. And um, yeah, in terms of, uh, you know, I, I think I think what's coming up next, you know, I don't know. I, I'm feeling kind of feeling kind of squished, kind of pressed. I mean, I don't know. Maybe crushed is the case. Uh, Lisa, what's going on? Lenny's affection for Laverne runs rampant when she gives him a pep talk and kisses him on the lips. And she is kind of reluctant to return any kind of feeling that he has for her. There's a song, there's a baseball game, there's attempted ship sinking, but the ship will not sink because they do such a horrible job of sinking sink the ship. This is Lenny's crush. Hmm. Well, it's good to know that I'm not the one being crushed. Oh, boy. <laughs> that, that would be awkward. Cool. Well, I guess we will see how that goes uh, next time. And we'll see you then. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to explain how we're going to see you then. It's it's kind of this future technology thing we've been working on secretly in the lab. It's it's very high tech, very serious. It's going to take a scientist to explain. Uh, but anyway, we'll we will hopefully have you join us next time, everybody. Thanks again. Yeah. Bye bye, y'all. Mm-hmm.